0: Yeah. Hey guys, how you doing?
1: So yep. here we are.
0: Here we are back at oh number two now. My goodness me, I nearly lost count. There's been been so many. Um, so welcome to the second episode of Jim and Tonic. I have my lovely colleagues and amigos with me, Paul and Tom. I will let them introduce themselves to you in just a moment. Um, but you are listening to Shirley Smith, and I am the owner of Urban Fox Coaching. And I have the pleasure of working with these guys on the occasion and we've decided to put our heads together and share our knowledge with you. So I shall pass you over for them to introduce themselves. Hey guys, how you doing?
1: Thanks. Uh, Have we decided to put our heads together because we've worked out that if we do that we have a brain cell? yes About one one brain cell yeah between three of us
0: massively helps me out just to have that little bit more matter to get me through the day definitely
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I, feel like, I feel like collectively we, we've brought all of our average iqs up by half a point it's good yeah <laughs> i'll take it. i'll take you at this point so um brain yeah, cells so, matter. I'm, I'm paul andrews owner of paul andrews fitness um as i said on the first podcast um when I'm not coaching people online predominantly to their goals, I'm spending my time trawling the internet, calling out all manner of bullshit that's out there because there's an awful lot. Um, So it's my sole purpose to point the average Joe in the right direction when it comes to achieving their health and fitness goals, rather than letting them do shit like keto.
0: Nice. Well done.
2: Oh, and I'm, uh, I'm Tom Jabot and I own Morgan Jabot Health Services, and I do in-person uh, training and nutrition coaching, and then online training and nutrition coaching, and tennis mentoring as well.
0: Fantastic. Thanks, guys. Um, before we pressed record, um, well, we did that yesterday, and it went horribly wrong, and somehow we managed to lose Paul completely into cyberspace. <laughs> Thank you. And yeah. Then continue and think we were recording, and we weren't recording at all. But we had a great chat, didn't we, Tom? So, yeah, we did. Yeah, uh, we did. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I don't know where Paul was, but we had a great chat.
0: <laughs> no one else will ever know, but who knows? <laughs> um, so just before we hit record, we were uh, it's probably best we sort of carry on because we're kind of in the thick of this conversation about um competitive bodybuilding, um. Uh, the highs and lows and also about you know setting goals and we've touched on the fact that people are going on Instagram uh, which is obviously the best example and seeing people in amazing shape um and but they don't know what has got that person there but they are using them as their goal so can we pick up uh, I'm going to go to Paul actually because I know Paul you have actually been through prep and nearly did a competition
1: yes correct yeah, uh, right up until... How, how was that for you? <laughs> <laughs> um, So, again, uh, uh, to take it back a slight step, what people negate to really understand is that when it comes to Instagram or Facebook or social media in general, what we're seeing of people is a highlight reel. So we're seeing them in their best possible shape and they're just regurgitating images. I mean, I do it. And most of my posts are photos from, like, months ago. It's not me today. Um, because I look like shit today. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to go with the photo. I've got the good lighting and the great angles and people go, God, look how great shape you're in. It's like, yeah, I was that day. Um, but people don't realise that that's what we're looking at is a, is a highlight reel. People aren't sharing their warts and all, they're sharing their best bits. And if you're sat at home and you're like, oh, I want to lose a bit of weight, I want to get in better shape and I want to have abs and I want to look like this, and you're comparing it to somebody who's just done a period of prep, whether it's for a show, whether it's for a photo shoot, It's an unrealistic comparison for you, the average gym goer that trains three days a week and doesn't really pay too much attention to what you eat to compare it to someone who just forced themselves through probably anywhere between 12 to 20 weeks of disordered eating and the strictest training schedule uh, known to man. So to share my experience, I started, uh, I got fat because I got an injury and I didn't adjust my food. And people started to say to me things like, you've got fat. So I thought maybe I should do something about it. Uh, true story. Uh, turned up at football. Having, you
0: were fat shamed. You were yeah,
1: actually fat. shamed by a teammate. My, my club captain poked me in the belly and went, God, married life's been good to you. Uh, cheers, mate. So I decided to... Um, uh, to, to start just tracking my calories and be a bit more mindful. And I dropped like 13 kilos in about six months, which was really good. And do you know what? I didn't have to do too much to do, to achieve it. I just tracked my calories, still drank alcohol, still had a takeaway once a week because I could afford to back then. Um, and, and yeah, just I dropped 13 kilos. so It was great. I then picked up my goal because I originally wanted to compete, but because of injuries didn't bother. I was like, I'm in good shape. I'm going to start competing. And at the start of November last year, I started working with my prep coach. And because I'd already dropped like 13 kilos over six months, we decided to just go balls deep into prep with the intention of competing in the early part of this year. Um, so initially, we were looking at show dates of February, March time. We got towards Christmas, having done probably eight weeks of the same five meals a day, seven days a week, doing initially half an hour's worth of cardio every single day uh, Well, six days a week on top of my four day a week training split and we got to Christmas and we thought we're going to push the show date so I then booked a show date for May which basically meant that at the point when I was supposed to have stepped on stage I would have done 13 months consistently in a calorie deficit the majority of which would have been um, on prep so not even enjoying the flexibility of just tracking my calories. I was eating the same five meals every single day. My breakfast was horrendous. It was, um, a hundred grams of porridge oats with the better part of eight egg whites and one whole egg. That's oh. boring and as heavy as it gets. What makes it worse is when I first started prep, I was told to eat that two hours before i train i was training at six in the morning so for the first week i was getting up at four to try and eat that and it got to a point where i had to say to my coach can we change this because i'm gonna I, I can't i can't do it so we, how many
0: calories were you on a day paul um at
1: that point, at that point i think my calorie intake was sat around about two thousand so it actually wasn't horrendously low but what you need to appreciate is even at two thousand calories a day i was doing from the off Half an hour's worth of cardio six days a week and weight training four days a week on top. So I was in the gym twice a day, four days a week. Um, and the 2000 then- calories is
2: not, a, it doesn't seem like it's that low, but when you do it for that long, your body yeah. is so and-
1: depleted at that point. That was at the start. By the time I got to February, my calories hadn't dropped a massive amount. Most of my carbs had been cut right down by the time I got to February. Um, and my calorie intake was sat at about 1800, but I was doing an hour's worth of cardio a day, six days a week, plus weight training four days a week. So I was fucking exhausted. But um, it's
0: funny, the, the, the number you say 2000, because whenever they work out, 2000 is always the number that men need just to sit on the chair and do nothing all day. That's, yep. that's the figure they normally use. So basically what you're saying is, you'll sit on the chair and do nothing all day, calories were in fact fueling you to train all those times a week and for all that cardio and for having your life. Yeah. Oh, wow.
1: The good thing is, is when you're on prep, you don't really get a life. So another thing that people don't understand when they see someone on stage who looks amazing, who's ripped and absolutely shredded and like a stupidly low body fat percentage and they think, Oh, I want to look like that. What you don't realize is I started with my prep coach first of November. I had Christmas day. I could eat whatever (laughs) I wanted. So from November until the 25th of December, I ate the same five meals a day, seven days a week. Boxing Day, I was back in the gym, back on plan. New Year's Eve, I was in the gym on plan, but I was allowed to drink alcohol um, for New Year's Eve. Only a couple of drinks because I was in the gym New Year's Day and back on plan. And then the only other time I ate anything off plan from the 1st of November until the gym shut in March was midway through February. Uh, I got told I could have a cheat meal. So I went for a burger. So I'd like three meals.
0: Absolutely wonderful.
1: Yeah. Three meals from November to March, effectively, where I was in control of what I ate. Um, and that's the thing that people don't quite realize when they see someone on stage and they, like, they, go, oh, that, they look great. I want to look like that. It's, it's not sustainable to get there. You are encouraged to embrace disordered eating, you weigh everything to the nth degree. If you have one gram more than you should have something, you literally beat yourself up and think that you're gonna die. Um, and you focus massively on all the things that I encourage my clients not to. You focus purely on what the scales say. You focus on like one measurement, your waist measurement every single week. You have to see, a, you have to see reductions. You take progress photos all the fucking time. Like you become obsessed with all of the things that make your life miserable. All for the sake that on one day of the year you can look quite good, under some bright lights with a tan. Can
0: I can I ask you then? Uh, so that going from November to March, what was your um, like general health like? What was your sleep, your energy, your I, I don't know your mental health? What, you know, were were you able to do your job correctly? What you know, were you were you nice to people? I, I mean, what were you I, like in general?
1: I wasn't the best person to be around at times particularly the closer I got to to march the more my once I got over like an hour of cardio a day six days a week like the mental health side of things took as much of a beating as anything because you you're not only getting up to go to the gym at 6am you know you've got to do half an hour's worth of cardio at the end of that session you know that also you've then got to go and work a full day's work and you've then got to go back to the gym in the evening to do more cardio again in fact I was doing more than an hour's worth of cardio because I would do half an hour after my session I'd do 45 minutes in the evening so yeah I, I I reckon by the by March time when gym shut I was probably close to an hour and a half of cardio a day six day a week so, so do you think, I,
0: that, do you think that lockdown was a blessing
1: uh it came at a good uh, to be fair it came at a really good time for me because um I'd been watching what I'd been eating since April the year before and wow. that's Yeah, and as much as the first six months, I was quite relaxed with it, and I and I I encouraged myself to work in the same way that I expect my clients to, in terms of not trying to be perfect and just be consistent. Even still, when you've been tracking and monitoring your calories for six months, and then you effectively do another six months in prep, um, it's a lot. So it came at a good time for me because I was a horrible person to be around because I was miserable. Not miserable because I was hungry. I I hadn't got to. I'd been. Told by my coach, I haven't got to the point of prep where I'm gonna be really fucking hungry, which made me feel great. Um, but I was at the start of prep, I was at the point of prep where I was fucking miserable because I was tired because I was doing so much fucking training. Yeah, eating and, and effectively eating so little. Um and again, there's this there's, there's the psychological battle. When you send your progress photos every Friday morning off to your coach and you send your measurements and you you see a small movement and you think good yeah it's moving the right way and your approach, your coach comes back and goes okay mate you're still looking full here and you're still this needs work and this needs work and you do, what comes back is not you're doing great you're on track it's here's a list of things we need to tackle drop your carbs by 100 grams a day and you're like oh I thought I was doing well so you you're, you're constantly in a battle of trying to please somebody whose job it is to be fucking strict on you because yeah. you have to get to like four percent body fat which is just not Normal, um, so your mental health just takes a beating because you spend however many months that you do prep for. And most people only do it for twenty weeks. I was doing; I, I would have been on prep for like seven months. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you, you you put yourself in a position where you're literally being scrutinized to the finest of margins week after week because you want to step on stage and you want to hold your weight. And for me, I was. I wasn't competing with an intention of winning which is strange because I'm a very competitive person I was competing with the intention of proving that I could do it because I've always been told by people that I've either always been really skinny or equally I've never had the best body the best physique never been the biggest guy never been the leanest person so I was doing it to prove a little point to myself that if I if I push myself I can get to that level but then once you get into it you do you start to get a consumed by the fact that it's a competition and if I'm going to step on stage even if I know I'm not going to go there to win this first show I still want to do well I still want to look good and you you get you get sucked into it and before you know it you're like you're trying to find those fractions of percentages and you're taking things like Shredable which is a about as close to an anabolic steroid as you can get without taking
0: cereal doesn't it
1: it does sound like it should be a cereal but I can tell you it's not what it is is basically taking your body to within the limit of the amount of caffeine you can have per day chucking in a little bit of cayenne pepper so that you basically spend most of the day freezing cold shivering your fucking tits off while sweating um, so, yeah.
0: oh my god I go through that all the time it's called menopause
1: <laughs> yeah I've been, I went through it as well at the start of the evening
0: <laughs> so basically yeah you got that as well um, can I just move on then Paul, if you don't mind. So Tom, Mm. I I know we did talk about this uh, yesterday about this competitive bodybuilding, uh, but obviously we weren't recorded. (laughs) (laughs) It was a shame. It was a nugget. You know what I mean? Um, What's your take on competitive bodybuilding? I know you've got a lot of admiration for them.
2: uh, Yeah. I mean, the thing, the first thing is that everyone has to understand is when they set goals that they want these physiques that they see on Instagram is that they have to give the utmost respect to these people. Like, no matter what no matter if we we say they're you know they're all on steroids or you have to work incredibly hard even if you're on steroids to look this way to be that lean to have that much muscle mass like it doesn't happen overnight this is years and years of dedication and suffering in order to get to that shape and and the only reason these people are taking anabolics and that that window or that all that that umbrella of things that we call steroids is because they absolutely have to in order to con- to keep up with everybody else so i think the first thing is is that when you set that goal as saying hey i want to look like that guy on instagram are you prepared to one take the dedication that they have and do it consistently for years in and years out and two are you willing to do things that might be negative to your health in order to look that certain way yeah. So i think that's the first thing is to understand that it's expectation is not always lining up with reality and that you can expect to look like this. If you just turn up to the gym three or four times a week and lift weights, but in reality, there is so much that goes into this outside of the gym. Bodybuilding is a sport. It's a sport for one. And it's a sport that happens 365 days a year. You don't have many sports where you don't, where you literally cannot switch off wherever you're in, where you're in competition season or you're in off season where you're trying to put mass on it's equally as demanding on the off season as it is when you're trying to shred down to compete. You're just, you're just going different directions. Also, so I think that's can, the- I,
1: can I jump in really quickly? i mm-hmm. watched a documentary on Netflix about competition bodybuilding and they had a, a group of guys who were competitors, so stage competitors and they had a group of fitness models and the biggest difference between the two of them, which people, again, if you're using a fitness model as your example, fit, fitness models don't get an off season. Whereas with competition bodybuilders, you have that period where you're in off season. So typically your calories come up. Yeah. You're still trying to do everything in a lean, sustainable manner and it's still just as hard work, but you get a little bit of relaxation between shows. Whereas like fitness physique models, they could get a phone call and be like, you're on set in three weeks.
2: Yeah, Yeah, I've seen the documentary. I mean, he does, he says it. He said, I could be, I could be told I've got to do a photo shoot in in two weeks and, and I've got to be in shape. So it's like, and that's, you know, you could, you could that be career defining, you know, so it's, so you've got to give utmost respect to these, these, these men and women that do this because it is such a demanding way to make a living. And it's such a physically and mentally demanding thing to do. The second thing is, 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 you know, if you set your goal as I want to look like these people, are you fully educated on what's going to happen to you while you go along with that process like are you sure you want to deal with the side effects that we know happens when genetically everybody has a set point right so you have a set point where your body wants to comfortably sit it's a body fat percentage and it's also a muscle mass percentage so it's different for everybody but the more you go away from that that genetic set point the more your body's going to fight you and yep. if we talk about going, you know, if you're going towards the leanness, so like most for most guys, anywhere from 14 to 16 percent body fat is going to be where they're going to want to sit genetically, right? Yep. And so if you start going sub 10 percent, your body starts to freak out, and it doesn't want to do it. doesn't want to do it, yep. and you get like also you get horrible side effects like fatigue. And I'm someone that's got to um, well below sub 10 percent body fat. I've never competed, but I did, I, I do it most years as, as a kind of a challenge. But I'm fully aware that's not how I want to live my life 365 days a year because it's just miserable. And there's times where you don't want to get up and change the the TV because you're just exhausted. You can't think properly. Like diet brain is a real thing where you literally don't function as well because you're on such low calories that your body is using any energy it's got, any food that's going in or any food that's fat that's stored up, it's using to survive. And
1: I think that's... On that point, I'm just two little things just to, to really highlight. So, prep brain, diet brain is a thing. I once drove to the gym in a pair of smart shoes because <laughs> I, I, believe I, I believe it. I believe it. Work shoes on instead of my trainers because I was that yeah. exhausted and unaware of what was going on. And also, anyone that were they, the, were they good
0: <laughs> to squat in though?
1: No, um, very, very, very not not good at all. They're fucking awful. Um, Leather sole shoes, very slippery. Um, uh, and also anyone who thinks that they get hangry because they haven't like eaten yet. Yeah,
2: I've um, dealt with the kind of hunger you get when you're sub
1: 10%. Put yourself through prep and then you'll see what hangry is. I once saw a, a doctor try to claim that hangry isn't a real thing. And I thought, well, that guy's never dropped his calories and put his cardio for an hour a day. Uh, because trust me, if you're on effectively poverty calories and you're working your fucking ass off, you, you're not just hangry, you're, a, you're an ass
2: yeah, yeah. But the the thing is i think the biggest point i think we need to make here is that this is not to put people off from getting in shape there is a balance between having both i mean again you're going to the gym for optimal health that has to be the underlying thing here is that you go into the gym to improve your health yeah. and then if you want to look good there is a point where you can look better than the average person by quite a long way because the average person doesn't sit at you know that that's maybe 12 to 15%. Most guys are sitting at 20, 20 plus percent. And yeah. for women, um, you know, I don't think they should be going if anything, below 18%. And women have to genetically hold on to more, to more yeah. fat, you know, but they can only really get down to that 12, 13% if they're stage ready. Oh, now, yeah. we know that when you're, you know, sub 10% for guys and maybe sub 13% for women, that's not optimal for your health. We know that's not optimal for your health. So, where's the balance now is I'm going into the gym. I'm someone who's new to the gym and I want to look better. This shouldn't put you off from doing that. You just need to understand what's realistic and then set your goals in a, in a sense of reality rather than going, I want to look like that person because I think what we're trying to, to get out here is, Hey, look, the people you see on Instagram, that's not where you need to be setting for. And if you do, here's the warning signs. Here's what you need to know. If you want to go for it, go for it. But just understand it's not all just turning up to the gym. And, and a lot of people, they go to the gym, they may be on, on, on track with their nutrition, they may be counting the calories, which I would say, hey, again, like you said in the last podcast, count your calories and be aware of what you're eating. But what Paul's talking about is extreme levels of that. And to get to extreme levels, you've got to do extreme things. And so if you're someone who just wants to get into good shape, you don't need to go as extreme with that. So we don't want to put you off with that, but we do need you to understand is that if you set the expectations too high, you're setting yourself up for failure. And I think if you can be more realistic with what you can achieve, how much muscle mass you can put on in a year or two years, because again, I think people are very uneducated on actually how hard it is to put muscle tissue on. And so if you can line up your expectations with a realistic sense of, of where your goal should be, then you're going to be sustainable, consistent. You're going to see results. You've got to look better than the average person. And then it's up to you whether you want to take it across that line. But I'm telling you, most people do not want to go there because it's not, it's not for most people. And that's why you would never – Paul, you said yesterday when we were talking. It's, it's a great example. Is a Sunday league footballer couldn't just rock up to a premiership match and start playing. He would feel yeah. absolutely out of his, out of his depth. Same thing goes. If you're setting your goals as these Instagram models, they're premiership level. They're, absolute top, they're international football level. If yeah. you want to get to, let's say, the best of Sunday League, that's great. But there's a lot of difference between the training goes in for Sunday League football and then going into being an international class footballer. So I think yeah. that's where I think the message needs to be with this is <laughs> let's just be realistic, understand your body, understand where your set point is and how far away you can go from it before you start getting these negative side effects. And for the average person, they're not sitting at their set point. They're not sitting at that, that point where they're comfortable, they're over the set point. And so if they bring it down to the set point and then go a little bit over, you're going to look great, you're going to feel great. And that's what that's what we're promoting here. It's not, yeah. hey, go past your set point and then keep going to the point where it gets extreme and you feel like crap and you don't want to do it anymore.
0: So I think, I mean, this was the point we were talking about health over aesthetics and i think so basically what we're saying is that if you're just starting out you know is you want to get all your health markers right first so you know if you've got blood pressure problems or you are overweight and all those things get all that in line get to and, get to the point where you're actually healthy and then decide what your next uh, aesthetic goal
2: is going to be but i think i think there is like also if you do get your, your health check your health markers in, in line you're going to look better like yeah. you're gonna look yeah, better, absolutely. you're gonna feel better, and so you're gonna yeah. hold it better. And so I think you get you can do both. It's just are you want are you setting your goals at the extreme level, which is what I'm worried about that a lot a lot of but, uh, men and women do.
0: Yeah. Well, we've got seven minutes left. I'm gonna keep make this a short one today. Um, so, I'm, is there anything else we could think about on that sort of same thing? I mean, we know we talked about um, when we tried this again yesterday but when we, we did talk about you know toning which is a lovely word that gets thrown around we haven't got loads of time to talk about it today but i you know, i think again it's it's something that gets thrown around a lot and it's all about aesthetics and how you look i think tom you explained it yesterday really well uh yeah, toning,
2: I mean, uh yeah i mean the toning thing is something that i think most people get wrong is that they think that you can actually tone a muscle that you can spot a muscle and then just make that thing toned And what we actually need to understand is that if you want to see a muscle better, if you want to quote unquote tone it, you have to reduce your levels of body fat and you have to increase your uh, levels of body, uh, your muscle mass. And therefore you'll see the muscle through the skin. The skin will be thinner. Therefore it looks more toned. But unfortunately, genetics are genetics and you can't choose your genetics. And some people will... Again, hold on to fat in different places. So you can't, if you want, let's say, I hear a lot of women, they say they want to they tone up their arms. You can't choose where that fat comes off. So you're going to have to be patient and consistent until you get lean enough that you can see your arms, uh, you know, quote unquote, toning out. And then you've also got to make sure that you are lifting weights. And we, me and Paul talked about this as well. The, and Paul did a fantastic post on Instagram is that women are so scared of lifting weights because yeah. they want to, don't want to get unquote bulky. Yeah. Whereas we know how difficult it is. Me and Paul joked about it. We've tried to get bulky our whole lives, right? And so it's like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a very, very long process to get bulky. So I, my advice for Hannah over the Paul is women should be training weights. Men should be training weights. If you want to build muscle mass, if you're going to look better, even at a high level percentage of body fat. You're going to look better with more muscle on your frame and therefore, you don't have to go to extreme levels of leanness to start seeing that muscle because it's there. It's more prominent. It's going to be broken out you know, underneath the skin more and you will look more toned. So I, I would say if you, if you try to tone something, lift weights, progressively overload, and then make sure your your nutrition is in line with your goals. And if that's to tone out, then you've got to be in a deficit to reduce those body fat. And that's it. There is no other way to tone.
0: Um, I'd just like to say as well that well, obviously, we're all on the call as well. Is that obviously all of us? We all um, in our in our training plans and stuff. We all, you know, are very much into lifting weights. And I, you know, I definitely am. It's something I've always done. Um, and I just think that you'll just get better results. You'll look better. And I do find as well, my all all of my clients who I've um, been training this year. You know, I love I love the fact that the feedback I've got is things like they some of them had never weight trained before but the feeling they get when they do an assisted pull-up yeah to us it would be nothing but when they've never done one before and you suddenly feel empowered and really you you feel strong and they walk out so different an hour later or or when i do squat for the first time or get them to do a deadlift for the first time with the big bar to us it's nothing we do that all the time but it it changes the way they think about themselves it gives them confidence and 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 it make it it changes the the way they look as well and i think i think it's the best thing i ever discovered for sure
2: there's so many more benefits to weight training than just look at the way you look as well that's so important we do a whole podcast on that but there is so many benefits from weight training and again cardio is important but it's a tool like we talked about last week it's a tool (laughs) weight training is something that is actually going to make a change to your physique yeah something that you can hold on to forever
0: yeah and we're we are all you know able to provide people with um you know tailor made programs depending on their goals as well um so I think we'll 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 cut that cut the call today uh, at this point um we've, we've really gone in deep into the bodybuilding world anyway that's been brilliant thanks guys um and I'm really uh, thanks for sharing your stories as well so I think next time we'll um we're going to be looking at maybe a little bit more in this toning thing and we'll start talking about the light, weights versus heavy. Maybe that'd be quite a nice mm-hmm. topic. Uh, and also the mental health benefits of the gym. I think we should definitely um, yeah. talk about that. Cause I think it's, ha- it's a big, big issue at the moment.
2: And I think it's important to say anyone, li- anyone who actually is listening, we want your feedback. We want you yeah. guys to, yeah. to give us things to talk about here, because this, uh, at the end of the day, we're doing this to help people. And I'm yeah. sure you said last week, if we just help five people, then, yeah. then we, we win in this. So okay. we want to hear back from you guys. Ask the questions. We won't call your names out or anything like that. No. We'll just know what Tom you from Essex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So guys, just reach out to us individually and just, and just, uh, I mean, maybe we can make an Instagram for this, but, uh, you know, just let us know what you want to hear about and we'll do our best to be as educated on it as possible. And then, um, and then relay as much information as we can.
0: But we've got to go guys. On the nose. Look at that. Um, Love you both. And I'll speak to you all very soon. Yeah?
2: Yep. And uh, episode three coming next week. Thanks, guys. Guys.
0: See you later.